Hey everyone, welcome to the Journeyman Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host today, Grant. With me, I've got a good buddy of mine, Eric Wheaton. He, uh, you might know him from VentEnterSearch.com, um, Winter Park. Uh, we've taught together at FDIC and some other places. And this year, Eric's got his own FDIC hot class. He's going to be doing the canned confidence. So can't wait to talk about that. But uh, this has been long overdue. So Eric, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, man. Good, man. Uh, always good to, to chat with you. And like you said, man, we've been uh, good buddies for a while now. And I enjoy the time we get to spend out of town together. And even though we're in the same state, you know, we don't get to run each other too much, uh, except when we're out of state, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't think people realize how big Florida is. Like anytime they're yeah. like, oh, hey, you're in Florida. You know this guy? Like, dude, we're, we're like four hours away from each other. Um <laughs> And, and, and even worse to get up to like H rock and, and what Kurt's doing. I mean, shoot, it's, it's easier for me to take a plane to get up there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I fly, sometimes I drive. Yeah. That's a, that's an eight hour drive for me. And I'm halfway up the state, you know, to get to Pensacola. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about your background, how you got into the fire service. Yeah. So, um, Ah, man, I grew up around the fire service of, you know, I've told this story uh, uh, many times and, and I kind of don't have this fairy tale um, story of coming in the fire fire service as one would think with my father, you know, being, being on the job and everything. So I'm sec- second generation and, and I really didn't give a shit that my, my, uh, my dad was a fireman when I was younger. You know, I remember all my friends would say, Oh, your dad's a fireman. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't I don't really care. I mean, I had no interest in that. You know, I just wanted to surf and um and just be outside and I was into wakeboarding and all that. So I didn't really have desire desire at all. And um but I mean I grew up I say I grew up in the fire service. I mean it was, I was visiting my father at the at the firehouse you know, at lunch and everything when my mom and I would be in town. And um it really wasn't until uh, I was about 18 years old. I went on a family trip uh, with some guys from from the fire department and, and my father and everybody, and we went to the Bahamas on a, on a little bit of a kind of va- vacation. And I was told that, and I came in from the water, and two guys from my dad's job, who ultimately would would be where I ended up working, uh, talked me into becoming a, a firefighter and signing up. He's, and they basically flat out asked me, they're like, Hey dude, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to serve. And they're like, Hey, you know, you can, uh, you know, two days off, you can, you know, work one and surf two. And I was like, I'm going to take you guys up on that. And uh, as soon as I got back into town, as, as you know, Grant or most of Florida, I don't know if all of Florida, but you know, you have to do uh, at least in central Florida, you have to become an EMT before you can actually even attend fire school. So I did a, uh, ADMT first. I wasn't really a big fan of that. Um, so I was a little nervous kind of getting into it and I was like, oh, is this something I really want to do? And then I got into standards and, you know, got blown away by, uh, guys like the Negley brothers, so Steve and Matt Negley, JJ Cassetta, just name a couple that, that, you know, Grant, I know you would, you know, very well. And, um, they, uh, had a, a lasting impression on me, which is, you know, was the good Kickstarter for me to get into the job and, and ultimately into teaching. I mean, they're, they're my first mentors, uh, to, to show me interest or, or, you know, kind of open the door into the teaching world and everything. So that's kind of how it happened for me. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of going back, why, why don't I think, why I don't think I showed it much interest earlier on is because my dad was like my grandfather who, 
who landed on Normandy during D-Day. He was a uh, he was a Navy medic, a corpsman, and uh, he, he never said any war stories or anything from World War II to my dad. And my dad, I think, kind of just grew up in the you know the um, um, you know that generation where you just didn't really say much. You know, you kind of did your job and, and didn't bring that home too much. You kind of bobbled it all in. So I think I always said if my dad would come home and like tell me some cool stories or something or a little more, I, I probably would have found a little more interest into it earlier on and. But yeah, that's how that's how I got my start, and, and uh, ultimately got on the same job with my fire department or with my father. So we, uh, him and I worked uh, Winter Park Fire Department together for about ten years before he retired back in uh, 2016. He retired. How did you land at Winter Park? Was that like the first gig that you got, or was that where you <clears throat> were seeking out to go to? No, I mean, you know, because my dad worked there, and I grew up knowing all those guys as a kid. I mean, my dad only had like two weeks on. A job when I was born. I was born at the Warner Park Hospital. So, and he was actually on duty. And back then, you know, he didn't have any vacation time. He had two or three weeks on the job. And the and the chief at the time allowed him to just cut out out from the firehouse for a couple hours to watch me be born right down the road. And uh, it was pretty cool because he came back. They didn't know if I was going to be a boy or a girl at the time. And um, when he got when I go back to work to finish off his shift after I was born, and he uh, he walked into the bunk room, and everyone's like, well, up at you know middle of the night it's like oh what'd you have oh i had a boy so it's pretty cool because when i got hired i got to work with those guys so you know i had my eyes and kind of mindset on winter park fire department um you know especially now it is kind of a destination fire department and you know definitely in central florida you know arguably the state but uh actually i wasn't able to to work there uh, we had a nepotism law at the time and um you know it was it was basically not going to happen for me so i was applying everywhere but there um, and then when we opened up a process, uh, my, uh, my father talked with the fire chief, this fire chief talked with the union and they basically determined it was an outdated, uh, rule and, and wanted to, to basically go to the city of Persia city and say, Hey, you know, we got a guy, these kids ready to test and, and we'd like to hire them and, and, or at least allow them to test. And, and so I tested and, and got on. So I was the first family, um, in the city period, like I couldn't even work for you know, like winter park streets or utilities. Like I couldn't work for the city period. So I was the first family member. I think they told me in like 40 years that, um, when I got hired. So, um, yeah. So to answer your question, sure. I always wanted to work there once I was going through the schooling, but in the back of my mind, I didn't think I was going to be able to. So, you know, you kind of get your, your eyes on other jobs, you know, Orlando, obviously being kind of a big city job in my area. I, I you know, always had an interest there, but, um, you know, landed on winter park and, you know, as, uh, as I uh, have been on, uh, you know, about 17 years now, I definitely, uh, definitely do not regret that decision and extremely happy there. So. So for those that don't know anything about winter park, uh, let us know about winter park, where's it at and, and kind of the culture about, about what you guys got going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we're the North end of downtown Orlando in central Florida. Um, basically, Orlando's northern border is our southern border, kind of surrounded. Uh, all, all our other areas are surrounded by Orange County, which is, I believe, it's the third largest uh, fire department in the state. So it's a pretty metro-ish area. You know, we got a, a lot of uh, a lot of. I mean, my whole first do is either um, um, uh, middle class, lower class to commercial, and then our two other areas are more um, more kind of what people know Winter Park for, being. Um, 
you know, being ex- very expensive lakefront homes and massive homes, some of the largest homes in the state, you know, or and some of the richest people in the state live in, live in our city, but um, nine square miles, three firehouses. So, you know, nine square miles, three firehouses, that, uh, that's pretty cool because we basically are really, we're on top of each other. So, you know, our, our response model and, and our tactics, really um, when people ask like oh how do you guys do this and I have to always explain like hey look we're a small city area wise and we pack it with three firehouses so it allows us to have a little bit of a big city flair um, you know if we get into kind of our tactics later on in, in this conversation we dive into that but um, uh, you know we do about uh, just under 7,000 runs a year um, and we have one truck three engines and as you know most of Florida is for ACMS so we, uh, we have Two rescue trucks, which are ambulances with firefighters in them, and we're putting a third one in service here just at the first of the year. Um, and and 70, 70 guys on the job right now. Um, obviously, it's going to increase here as we start hiring for this uh, this extra rescue here. Uh, but the culture culture is really uh, really good, man. Really strong culture, great morale. Like I said, it's, it tends to be a destination fire department, meaning we get most people that we hire other jobs um, not that we purposely look out for that but the the bulk of our uh, uh, potential employees or people testing uh, are from other jobs and I, i'm gonna say it's probably because you get on a job somewhere right right when you get out of school and you're like you know you get on you think every fire department if you're like me you think every fire department's the same when you're kind of naive to it and then once you get on the job you start to you know, you start to understand, okay, hey, there's different fire departments do things differently, morale differently. And, um, and then, you know, people start hearing a little bit about Winter Park, or maybe they work next door and, and uh, they start hearing about our culture and, and the, the, this place is extremely motivating. So if you're someone, if you're someone who wants to be motivated, um, or needs external motivation, um, definitely, uh, uh, definitely Winter Park is the place for that. But it just breeds that, um, I don't know what, where it really came from. I just, you know, I kind of, I was, when I got hired, it was already kind of in place by, uh, um, by the people before us, but, you know, we're definitely carrying the torch now and strong training culture and great apparatus, uh, great equipment. Um, if things break, they tend to get fixed right away. You know, we're not rolling around in 20, 30 year old trucks and, um, beat up equipment. Uh, the longevity is there because we have three firehouses, nine square miles. So, our city may be decently busy for the size, but individual firehouses aren't super busy because we share that load with three firehouses. Realize most people listening to this, their first dues are probably much larger than, than my entire city that they're going to cover by themselves. So you have longevity here. Obviously, the pay and benefits are great, so that, that definitely helps. Um, but uh, I think if you talk to a lot of people that hire, we hire from other jobs, they uh they always say that they were uh, impressed with either hearing or seeing it through our social media the culture the training the guys working out taking the job seriously um traveling to conferences and they they yearned for that right they they wanted that they were at somewhere that was running them into the ground and um didn't support training and um you know probably had a kind of a toxic cancerous culture where if you wanted to be in the job or be a nerd of the job you know you were you were kind of isolated or made fun of and um you know he, here where i work that's 
few and far between. You know, you might get a little couple pockets of people here and there that are coming on a bad day, but overall, it's a great spot. And it shows in our retention. Uh, we have very good retention. I think the last person to leave us for another job is uh, coming up to 20 years. So we haven't we haven't lost one member to go to another fire department in about 20 years. Now we've had people leave to go to real estate or you know maybe retire early or something like that, but not not leave us to go to another fire job. So um, typically you're going to find me always finding or saying positive things about my job. You know, there's a few hiccups here and there. It's definitely not perfect, and we're not perfect, but uh, overall relative to kind of what I hear when I travel, um, I'm I'm happy where I landed for sure, Grant. So you guys got low hose beds on the engines, tiller for the truck, and really have an engine and truck mentality. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that's probably tied with like just the training culture. That's probably our would be our, you know, number one between training culture and kind of how tactically we are, uh, you know, again, talking with people like, hey, why do you come here from other jobs? And those are probably two of the most uh most stated um things and and like i mentioned earlier you know we're because of our small size but well staffed as far as you know um you know having that many rigs and and people on scene at one given time we're able to um let's say you know uh run extinguishment simultaneously at search right which all the data right now is definitely showing us that's the best way for our safety and, and the civilian safety is if we can you know, do those things simultaneously and, and we're, we're able to, we have a dedicated truck company. We have a dedicated, we have dedicated engine companies. Um, we have low hose beds, everything off the rears. Um, we're still setting up for the gallons of water, predominantly smooth bore. Um, you know, we have a couple of fogs, but most guys pull that smooth bore or all really all guys pull the smooth bore f- uh, for interior firefight as their first line. We do a lot of gas leaks, so we'll we'll probably never get rid of a fog nozzle because we do so many natural gas leaks. But um, the um, and then the truck culture, yeah, for for a person uh, minimum, um, a true inside outside, you know, your traditional four person truck tactics. So the officer and the firefighter is the inside team, and you know, for our case, being a tiller, it'd be the two drivers or the outside team um, doing uh, outside vents and secondary egress and VES and you know all those outside things, which to me was always the funnest part of uh of being on the truck company was the outside team because you got to prioritize all these tasks and everything was always kind of fun when you're a younger guy making decisions on your own outside the fire uh the uh outside of your officer but yeah i mean you know we did a quick rundown on a scene like we're, we're going to get on scene all, all three engines and, and our truck and chief and our ambulances are all going to get on scene within four minutes you know um, and far reaches of our city I mean, we're still going to get the entire city on scene less than seven minutes. Um, you know, that's not the first year. The first year is there much quicker, but I'm just saying the entire city on scene very, very quick. So um, our, we're kind of set to search in front of hose line because I can get there so quick on the truck. Um, by the time they're, you know, doing a 360 stretch on line, bleed, you know, chasing kinks, um, set pressures, um, we'll, you know, we'll have the door forced and jump in front of them um, to initiate that primary search um, before they're ready to break entry. And, you know, quick rundown of what it's going to look like. Let's say, uh, you know, I show up uh, with the engine. They're going to pull pull past the building, get their three sides. Big reason why we decided to go everything off the rear. They're going to stretch. The officer is going to do their 360 off the engine. The firefighter and the engineer is going to get the line in place, get it set pressure, all that. 
start masking up. Um, the truck's going to show up. The outside's going to finish getting bunked out. Remember, they're both drivers, so they don't have their air packs um, in the cab with them, um, obviously, because they're drivers. And so they got a bit of a delay on that. But, uh, you know, the inside team's going to go in. If the, we have to force the door or not, we typically start a search from the front. And I, I know where the fire's at. I'm going to try to shoot straight for that, that fire because I, I like to do, uh, I like to call straight to the engine company when I find that fire. So an example of that would be like inside truck to engine 61 fires, you know, first bedroom on the right. And so that way, when they come into, you know, potentially blacked out conditions, they know, hey, Wheaton, Wheaton said it's, you know, towards the right, let's head that way. And they're not kind of moving this line in and out, trying to figure out where the fire is. And then once we, as the inside truck finds that, we're going to knock it back with a can, do a quick look in that fire room, close the door, uh, wet the uh, hallway side of the, of the door with the can, and, and, uh, and that's what the firefighter's doing. And me as the officer kind of break and search that immediate area. Um, so we're not, you know, we're not sitting there wasting time. And then two things will happen. We either run out of water with the can or, or the engine meets us there. And then we just, you know, continue on a, as a, a search group of two, uh, typically uh, split searching, uh, especially common rooms. And, and then, uh, you know, and then when we're in a bedroom cluster, we can um, kind of, you know, one in one room, one in the other. And, you know, we kind of do the, that, that type of uh, style of searching. Um, but it worked well, you know, with the first two units, we're having um we're flooding the uh building with as many searching firefighters as possible because even the engine if you think about it even if they're not physically searching they're occupying space they're using those common egress paths so they're covering those areas um the only thing that they're really in charge for is actual hands-on search is um the fire room post knockdown so after the uh the, the um, fire gets knocked down let's say it's single bedroom um the officer is going to basically sneak by the firefighter and just kind of clear that room um, fully before we start dropping ceiling and walls and furniture from overhaul right so we want to kind of clear that room before most of that stuff is uh is on the ground and potentially covering somebody and then the uh the inside truck's going to cover all rooms and common rooms and bedrooms and then the outside team if they're going to be doing a traditional vs or basically be targeting bedrooms and in some of those hallway and, and, and bathroom connection points. And so with, with, you know, with two, two companies, you can see we've, we basically flooded that area. So it's kind of long winded, but I wanted people to understand kind of like our tactics and everything and, 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 and prove to people that, Hey, you can do it with, with minimal rigs and minimal people. And, and even though we're a small city and, and we're more lean towards the suburban side of things, we, we kind of have a big city, uh big city tactic, big city heart. So. That's cool. No, you and I've been doing search for for quite a while, and I know uh, up in your area and with Van uh, Search, you guys do a lot of the VES training and, and whatnot. Um, so you're pretty versed in that. And then this past couple of years, you got on the uh, the search panel with UL. So you want to talk a little bit about that and like what you uh, what you guys I don't know what what your observations were. What was confirmed that you already had thought and and maybe anything new that maybe popped in? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll preface this whole conversation where I'll, I'll say our group kind of got burned a little bit, no pun intended, but because of COVID, um, you know, historically the tech panels get to meet up several times in person. And our group came together towards the end of 2019. We had our first in-person meeting in 2019. 
and everybody knows what happens a few months later and it's pure chaos as far as trying to organize all these people um, across the country and through zoom and then you know if i'm not booking a, a flight to an in-person meeting you know let's face it like sometimes i'm not i'm, I'm gonna if i have to meet on zoom it's not gonna be you know, my life gets in the way. If I, if I'm on a flight and I'm flying, like I'm fully committed, right. I can solely focus on, on being there for you. Well, so, you know, a lot of us, unfortunately, um, you know, w would miss meetings because it was just tough to do it on zoom. And when we, when, when they did light the fire and we could actually show up, we could only go like one or two guys or two or three guys could go at one time. Um, so unfortunately I didn't get the full experience and nobody on the tech panel got the full experience like, uh, like previous tech panels. Um, but with all that said, um, it was incredible to be a part of. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, uh, like most guys on the tech panel, there was nothing super earth shattering at the very end of all the experiments. And when the, the research paper came out, it was basically, um, solidifying what we've been doing or, uh, or, you know, or what we have been doing, or what we have been seeing, um, just, you know, one, one would be like the smoke level. Like we always, obviously as kids, we know that we got to stay low for smoke. But I mean, when I say like every inch matters, like as far as survivability, that is a true statement. Like you're talking about um, ex extreme threshold changes just in a, just in a few feet off the floor. Right. So, you know, you know, really hitting it home. Like if we find a victim in a bedroom, let's say I'd search it into a room and I close the door behind me and I find a victim on the bed. I mean, before I do anything, I got to get that, that person on the floor, like snatch them off the bed, get them on the floor and then get your bearings, talk on the radio, scream on the radio. If you want to yell out, you got a victim, you know, and then uh, basically if you can isolate ventilate. So if, if that door was intact and we can close it, um, you know, it, you're more likely to now based off the data, um, go, go through that window. Now, as you know, Grant, that's not necessarily as easy in Florida is, uh, is not necessarily, uh, that easy because we have to deal with hurricane winds, especially you on the coast, you know, me, me being interior, it's not, not too much, uh, too big of a deal as, as I'd imagine your, your department runs. But, you know, if I got a halogen in my hand, I got a victim in a bedroom and I want to, I want to take that window and go out that window. Yeah. 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 Good luck. <laughs> You're going to need some outside assistance if that's your egress path so um trying to get too much of a tangent but yeah those are the things like you know getting people down low um you know uh dragging somebody back through the building versus uh versus out the window so even if you're three times faster moving somebody through it back through a structure and bringing them out the front door uh they're great at, they were yeah, the greatest survivability was if you were to basically left them in that room, close the door and taken that window and pop them out the window. Even if that technique was taking you three times longer is basically, you know, kind of how to think about that. So, but again, you know, you gotta have to kind of size up your situation and, um, and that with all that said, definitely keep the airway low, which I know, you know, I was even teaching some, some drags and, and things, victim removals where the airway was, was, you know, not necessarily up to my, my level if I was standing, but, you know, higher than it needed to be. So you know, I definitely made that adjustment and, and making sure that all our drag methods that we're passing around to the American Fire Service keeps the airway down, whether it's a head first drag or a feet first drag. 
Um, there was some size up component to our, um, to our study as well. You know, obviously the, the search portion gets kind of all the glory as it should, but there our our panel actually even um, was in charge of trying to figure out size up stuff too. So, you know, can we determine from uh, a window if a door is open and closed, you know, um, you know, where fires located, all that. So if you actually go to um, UL's website and go through the interactive online, um, I think they call it class, but or some sort of program, um, you can see like a 360 view of, of the, uh, basically as if somebody was doing a continuous 360 during the experiments, which is pretty cool because you can kind of see all the change of conditions, what happens when they start opening or closing doors and popping windows and, and things like that. But um, definitely um, to wrap it back to your question, definitely uh, enjoyed it. Definitely learned, you know, that what we're doing is it, we're definitely going down the route, right? Route, the um, correct route, um, keeping the patient low and just tweaking the few search, or excuse me, um, uh, drags that we would we were doing, um, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, let's transition a little bit into uh, vent enter search and kind of the stuff you guys teach. I know I've been able to to take some of your classes and, and have brought you guys down here. Um, tell us about how you got into the vent enter search and then kind of what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jim Walsh and uh, Orlando guy Jeff Pons. Jim Walsh was the training chief with us. Um, he uh, had a stroke in 2017 and retired out medically. Um, and uh, actually, uh, just spoke with them the other day. But um, um, they started a website back in 2005. Uh, so if you've been around any time, you know, uh, you know around that that dot uh, com phase of the fire service, right before social media, you you definitely recognize the website. Uh, um, and it was just basically a place for started locally kind of in Florida, central Florida, and then uh, for a space for local firefighters to go to share information and get information. There wasn't really anything out like that, a, a blog, a classic blog. And then, you know, kind of grew outside the state and then people from around the country were, re, you know, using the website to get ideas or share ideas and things like that. And then it organically grew into uh, a training, um, you know, because people were basically like, you know, well, she have all this information. Would you mind come doing like a lecture um, and started off just a lecture. And he did start a little travel, uh, doing some traveling in the later 2000s, uh, lecture only. When I uh, and I started bugging him early on, probably in 2011, 2012, I said, hey, if you ever need help with the website or whatever, I can help you. And sure enough, he, he invited me to kind of help run the back end of the website. And I was pressuring him. I'm like, hey, you should get into hands-on. And, um, you know, he's just concerned about the cost of insurance and all that stuff. And we, we kind of did some research together and ran our first program in 2013, I believe. It was um, was actually Can Confidence at the Orlando Fire Conference. It was our first hands-on program. And, yeah, it just basically took off uh, from there. And then in 2017, he had a stroke and just before his stroke, uh, he, him and I had met and he was basically telling me, or not basically, he was telling me that he's going to give me the the company because, you know, he was slated to be our next fire chief and as a good leader would, and he understood that he needed to be solely focused on our department and, and he couldn't have this, um, kind of a side gig. And I respect him for that. And he was giving me, uh, giving me the reins of inner search. And then a week later, unfortunately he had a career ending, um, you know, medical um, emergency, and um, thank God he was where he was with, um, you know, 
at, at, at the, at the firehouse with, and, you know, most of us are paramedics. So, and we have two, you know, hospitals in my first due basically, and one of them being a strip center. So, um, otherwise, you know, like the doctor told him straight up, like if like that was not your case, you would not be here right now. I mean, it was a major, major hemorrhagic stroke. So, and, uh, don't get mad at me about HIPAA stuff. He talks publicly about it all the time. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's a, he, he basically a good mentor of mine and started the business and turned over the reins. And now it's me and, you know, what I call my very good friends in the fire service. You got a, mostly, most of the guys are in Florida, and, uh, but I uh, have a good, good solid group, uh, helping out around the country now. And, um, we do any truck company related classes. So any, any genre, um, for splintery, laddering, uh, aerial operations program we do is, is pretty popular. Obviously, can confidence, search, via, we do inside outside, which is basically, uh, a deep dive into a four person truck company, uh, where you have two on the inside and two people on the outside and, and what that entails. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of the, the business there and, and the training and started organically, never was meant for that. And, I thoroughly enjoy it. Obviously I, I, you know, because of training, I've, I've got to, you know, meet you and, and, and gotten, uh, got invited, um, you know, to teach up to SE with your class. And, and I've met people from all over the country and it's been an incredible experience. So and I look forward to, uh, many more years of traveling and, and meeting more people. Yeah. So your home base is Valencia, uh, where you guys do stuff and then you travel around. Uh, yeah. So, Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, you can catch our core classes um, uh, twice a year in Orlando at Valencia College. Um, the schedule probably will, for 2024 probably dropping soon. They tend to sell out pretty quick. They're all one day live fire classes. Um, so you'll get Venner Search, Can Confidence, Force Blanchery, and Inside Out, which is that uh, inside outside team class. One day super down and dirty, fast paced, a lot of hard work and, um, you know, all I fire with that said, who that, who those classes are really for and kind of did a poor job advertising this early on. It's these are for people maybe been on the job for a while, have a basic understanding of force entry and laddering and search because it's a one day and it's live fire. There's not so much, uh, uh, Time to go over really basic stuff. Um, so we're kind of assuming when you get there that you have a good grasp of those things. And if you're like, you know, it's it's good for people who are really uh, proficient of the job because it's me mega reps uh, under some pretty nasty live fire conditions. And if you're kind of like a mid range, you've been on job for several years, and you know. Yeah, you, you, you're decent at force monitoring, you're decent at search, you're different ladders, then you're going to get a ton of growth here and have the opportunity towards the end to really rep it out too. But, you know, it's really not meant for someone who's maybe just got on the job, you know, and is at a, a minimum standard level of throwing a ladder and all that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you're probably going to need a, a different program before you join on um, one of those Valencia classes. But yeah, people, can contact us and um, predominantly what we do is run uh, classes for departments so a lot of people will be like hey when's your next you know vs class or and it's like hey i don't really do open enrollment classes other than what's that um 
at the college there. Um, or you'll catch us at obviously all the major conferences around the country, but the bulk of what we do would be like, you know, your chief calling us or emailing me and say, Hey, we want to do a three day truck class or 40 hour aerial class. And then that's, that's the bulk of the training we do or, or basically our customers. So. Cool. Uh, what was it like 2015 or 2016? I remember you and I were walking around trade show floor at FDIC and talking about like, man, how do we, how do we, we, we'd been teaching locally in Florida and doing some stuff, but like getting to FDIC is kind of, kind of cool. Um, and so I remember we were talking and trying to game plan how we get there. And uh, it's just cool that uh, we were able to do it. And you're like OG and, and we've had a lot of guys bop in and out with our, with our search class there. And then this year um, it's like multiplying because now you've got your own group and now you're able to take uh, all the guys that you mentored just the way that Jim and JJ and Maddie, you know, mentored you and, and you're taking all them to the next level. So uh, talk a little bit about your FDIC class this year. Yeah, for sure. And and kind of reel back to you and I having that discussion. I remember it ended up at Kalata, <laughs> which unfortunately is no longer there. But um, yeah, in that 2016, you and I both submitted. Um, I think I submitted, yeah, I submitted a CAN hot class. And then you submitted, you know, residential primary search. And you ended up getting picked up and ended up being a blessing because, you know, I feel I feel for you now being a lead at FDIC. It's just, you know, obviously I've designed programs and been lead at multiple multiple classes, but, you know, definitely with the FDIC, the numbers and everything and those logistical resources is just whew, stressful for sure. But, um, and I really, you know what? even, even before on. you jump off of that though, it's like <laughs> the guys that we, we put together for that class are like the best dudes in the world and from all over oh, yeah. the country. I, I'll tell you, like, it is so fun to hang out with you guys. I, I feel like just as yeah. almost more important to me is hanging out with you guys during that week. Yeah. Um, as much as teaching, you know, the, the conversation yeah. we get to have and, and cutting each other up and, and hallway beers and stuff like that is yeah. it, uh, something now. And now I look forward to it, it, it even growing uh, with, with all <laughs> you guys. So. Yeah. And my hope is that we basically just expand from your group, right? Like we're, we're two, we'll be two separate classes, potentially at, at two different locations, but I definitely want to mirror what, what's going on with the group that I left. And, and for y'all listening, that was a extremely hard decision for me. Um, in fact, I still am contemplating <laughs> if I just made the right decision because that's how enjoyable that group is. And in fact, it's, if you ever have a chance to attend that class, you'll see, and we get to see it because, you know, we read the reviews and, you know, some of the most, uh, most, uh, repped out, uh, 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 you know, compliments we get is for lack of a better term here, I'm trying to think, but is, is the fact that our cadre is dressed up in full gear. They're working alongside as soon as the bus hits the e-brake, the, the students are working and that every instructor mesh meshes well. I mean, that's basically our reviews of that, that, um, that class that Grant puts on. So basically my goal and the guys that I brought on to do the CAN program this year, um, has that in the back of their mind. And we're going to mirror a lot of, of that, um, that continuity with each other uh, working alongside the student not just sitting there and, and street clothes pointing at them telling them what to do and 
that all means a lot to me. I mean, we're developing ways that um, to to kind of steal from Grant. As soon as you you know get off the bus and you're 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 going to start working. I mean, that's 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 my plan. So yeah, but the program for us is basically um, our uh, our can confidence uh, the, the the official FDSE title is can confidence um, live fires uh, searching for life and fire. And it's a, it's a four hour version of our eight hour program. Um, but we did do and going to do a revamp of the program and potentially have multiple fires going at once. Um, just kind of trying to lock in our site to fully get that de- detail wrapped up. Um, there's a potential that a good chunk of attendees, as soon as they hit the ground, just as Grant would do, a pledge and a, a, a prayer. And they might be going straight on air and burning right away. So um, that's something I'm working on right now um, to make that happen logistically. Um, and I hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that does happen. But um, yeah, basically we're going to uh, uh, go over some can filling, some pressurizing the can. There is some misnomers about that. We actually just put up a post the other day about um about a piece of the can and help how it assists with filling the can. Um, some modifications, then some dry run searches, which is going to be very similar uh, to the style that that Grant and their group, groups teach. And then we're basically going to put a can in your hand. And so you'll get a little more ramp up in intensity because we're giving you some extra tools in your hand. And then you're going to, we're going to go over searching with a can, kind of the purpose of it, searching the head of the line, what you're going to do once you get to the fire room, how you're going to coordinate the engine, what you're going to do with the water, the door closing, all that. And then we're going to do a demo burn where there's no search. You're just in, in a big fire room with a big group of students with multiple cans, some thermal imager cameras. You'll be in there with a couple instructors. And we basically just talk fire behavior. We talked about the importance of vent limited fires when it comes to the water can. Um, we'll talk about where to actually direct the stream, which is a very important and not ever discussed um, that I know of uh, when it comes to water can tactics. Um, there is a certain area of that fire, that fire room, you need to direct that stream as quick as possible because remember, we're stored water, stored air. We don't have a continuous flow of water. And if you waste that water, you know, you could potentially be. Um, you know, uh, not getting as effective knockdown as as you could. And then uh, doing some door control stuff in that demo burn. And then basically by the end of the program, you would have done all that. And then you will get partnered up with uh, two or three search team, a two or three person search team. And this is putting everything together that you learned for those first few hours. And you're going to run through live fire search scenarios ahead of the hose line, with nothing more than a water can, um, and it's uh, it's an extremely fun class, and it's a um, it's a lot of work on the instructors and the stokers. So if you attend that class, definitely give those stokers a a, a big thank you. They uh, a lot of stokers that don't know about our class, they don't really know what they're getting into. But um, I'm big about uh, making sure that we log water onto the actual fire. I don't care if the fire goes out, um, and you know, that's, that's a lot of work, right? Because a lot of live fire classes, especially like a hose line class, you're going to squirt wind, uh, water out a window to the left, but the fire's to the right because, you know, the logistics and the work it takes to fluff this fire back up. But for us, with only flowing 200, or excuse me, two and a half gallons of water at most, 
we're usually able to fluff it up pretty quick for the next round, but we're going to have you direct water straight on that fire, close your door and go about your search. And while all that's happening behind that closed door, we're going to have stokers in there stoking it up, stoking it up. So, if, you know, we max out at 55 students uh, a day that's, or excuse me, a session, 110 a day. That's going to be at least 55 scenario reset the fire. So 110 reset the fire in um, one day just for scenarios. That doesn't include the demo burns. So the demo burns, you know, I'm still figuring out the numbers, but that might be about 10 demo burns at the most. But, you know, so you're looking at a significant amount of um, work on those stokers. But uh, I think at the end, it's all worth it. And um, I really look forward to it and I can't wait. And, um, you know, I really hope it's a good reflection of, of grant your program and I would highly recommend signing up for both of them. So don't just think, you know, Oh, I'll, you know, Wheaton's doing a search class. Why would I sign up for another search class? Well, you're going to see that it's really going to complement, um, complement each other. So, you know, grant, you're going to get several different variations of a search. Um, and then you're going to basically get the same message with us. However, we're just going to throw a water tan in your, in your hand and, and do some live fireworks. So I think the two programs are going to complement each other well. And, I'd encourage if uh, you wanted to come into FDIC and and do, you know, learn a lot about search or get reps on search, um, definitely look out for uh, for these two programs for sure. I'm looking forward to it. No, for for sure. Hey, we talked about it for years. Like we get done with FDIC. We're like, how do we make this four hour and eight hour? And this was exactly it. This complimented it. Perfect. Yep. So it, it's cool. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish we could be at the same location, but uh, man, worst case, doing both because you got four time slots for for hot at fdic but uh, i know yep. it's an awesome program you've been doing it for a long time and that's kind of, that's kind of the canned confidence is what uh, i really feel like put event at our search and you on the on the map yeah um, for sure so let's uh man so many good things um you're doing that class too at the firemanship conference in july right yeah Yep. Yep. Firemanship, uh, in, uh, July there. Um, we have it in March in Idaho, just outside Boise. Um, and then obviously, you know, Orlando fire conference in, uh, in February. So that basically for that class specifically, that that's basically, I think the first of the year is what I got lined up for that class and obviously FBIC, but. So you're a busy dude. Uh, you're married to Natasha. You've got a full house of kids. Talk a little bit about your family and, and how you balance everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up because um, as yourself is a big family man and a man of faith, I, uh, I definitely, um, I definitely battle the, the, the balance like most, most of us who are type A are extremely passionate about a certain subject and, you know, I've had a few slaps in the face, um, not literally, but figuratively, you know, where I come home and I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, I'm so passionate about, you know, working out or, or you know, the fire service and, and teaching and everything. And she's like, well, when are you going to show that, you know, passing towards us? And I've had this like, whoa, and where it's just a complete silence, like, oh, man, I'm not focused right now and i if you know me you know i tend to dabble in a lot of things and when i say dabble i'm like full in on things but i just i have a lot of stuff going on and i try to involve myself i you know i have that uh, unfortunate uh, bad habit of not saying no um but 
one good thing that I do do or I did years ago is I actually upped and moved my family outside of Orlando and moved all the way to the coast. So for you guys that don't know Florida's geographics there, um, I'm about an hour away from work. And what that does is it, it gives me a ramp up time when I'm coming into work. So I, I choose, I, I'm a big podcast fan. So I tend to listen to like fire service related podcasts on the way to work. That way I'm kind of disconnecting myself from, you know, the rigors of having three kids and all of them in school and extracurricular activities and just go, go, go at home. And then I'm kind of refocusing onto my fire service family by getting my mind right, drinking my coffee, having an hour drive to do that. Then I do my 24 hour shift and I reverse that on the way home. I listen to something not fire service related at all. I'm a huge in the health and wellness. So it usually lands on that um, genre of, of a podcast. And then when I get home, I've had that hour to really kind of disconnect from the fire service and, uh, and, and you know, be with my kids and, and my, um, my wife. The other thing um, we do is we tend to live outdoors. Um, being in Florida, obviously, year-round, we can do that. So, you know, I've kind of built my little, my little house here with a bunch of outdoor activities where we limit our, my kids' screen time and, and just, you know, we go to the beach weekly. And outside, we got the pool, we got the water intercoastal right here. I built my kids a playhouse, and you know, it basically forces me to not be on an electronic device and, and get out there with the kids, and um, yeah, and and you know, spend time with them outside. So, share similar passions with especially my oldest daughter. She likes to wakeboard, she loves to surf. She just asked me yesterday, it was my son's birthday party, and she asked me yesterday if we can go surfing this week. Like, you know, she wants to be out. Uh, saying so um that helps i'm not perfect at it you know um i definitely uh you know i'll be scrolling online and reading some fire service article if i'm at home and i'm like oh man i, I catch myself doing that and i'm like I, I gotta try to save that for when i'm at work um but uh yeah i mean i think it's going well those are those are things that i've done to kind of help um help help uh change uh you know change my focus and I, as I get older, my kids get older, as you know, man, it just, it really, uh, the kids become a priority, right? You know, they're going to, they need a lot of attention and, and I enjoy teaching them and, and showing them, showing them new things. And, and yeah, it, it keeps my mind off the fire department a lot. So um, that's, that's what I do for my balance. I don't know, do you have any other suggestions that I should be doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I just, I love to see you, you dating your wife and, and putting your kids as a priority and you're always posting, doing stuff with them and taking them, taking them places and, and having them tag along to a conference and making a family vacation out of it. I think, I think it's important. So we, we prefaced like, Hey, what are all the things Eric will teach and get a hold of him so he can do it? But if he doesn't want to, like, I think we got to be good in the fire service about accepting no. Um, because no doesn't mean like, hey, I don't want to help you. It just means, hey, my my family or other things, my job are our priorities. And and I love seeing you work through that stuff. But on the flip side, you're always willing to share. So you know, it, it's not like hey. I can't necessarily help you in person, but I'm willing to be on the phone or I'll send you what I got. And um, so I, I love seeing you do that. Um, yeah. And that, as you probably get a lot too, people message you asking for advice on whatever, you know, Hey, I want to search document or can you, you know, I'm trying to build search culture for my department. Can you help me? And what I'll do is I'll end up 
you know, to kind of limit my time, like typing up a message, I actually just shoot you my, or excuse me, my phone number. And I usually like try to schedule those conversations while I'm at work, like during a lunch break in the office. And I'll wrap with you for half an hour, an hour and, and kind of talk you through again. Another thing I do try not to, to take away from my home life, but um, that, that tends to, to work out. And I, I like, you know, having a conversation over a phone or even like a zoom here, but uh, rather than, than through a message messenger app or a text. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk about your home gym. You got a pretty, pretty sick home gym was actually the inspiration for me to put something in my garage. How'd that start? Yeah. Yeah. And thanks. Cause I've, I've, uh, I've been on a lot of chats before on podcasts publicly and not a lot of guys ask about my, uh, the fitness journey and my health and wellness, uh, passion and everything. So I know you and I are eye to eye on that. So, um, appreciate the opportunity, but yeah, my gym, uh, I started really, I didn't, I mean, I, I did air consumptions like every day as a young firefighter and, you know, we had like the, the Globo gym style in our firehouse. We got cable crossover machines, lap pull downs, kind of all that stuff. And I just, I'd go up there and I'd just pull in these cables for a little bit. And then I would end up just having a conversation with whoever's up there. I was not really having fun. The only time I enjoyed working out, which, which was more keen, was when I was in gear. Um, and, and then in 2015, uh, you know, I started getting, you know, for, for me, for my, desire aesthetics at the time which that was what was important to me at the time and obviously now it's kind of or maybe not obvious but it's certainly stiff to more performance based but um at the time that meant something to me and my uh my wife took a picture of me carrying a surfboard um walking down the beach with my daughter and i just didn't like that picture at all you know as, as far as how i was and then you know at the time i had one 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 child my daughter and i was like i don't want to represent my my me being a father and, and kind of go down this unhealthy living of you know drinking beer almost every day and eating crap food and not working out and i didn't want my family or specifically my at the time just my my, my only daughter to to kind of know that that lifestyle and my wife was always into working out and, and eating healthy and all that but i just i didn't really care about it so that kind of jump started me and so i found i have heard of crossfit already because in 2013 i got into it for he only got into it about a year or two he doesn't he's not into it anymore but he put the cross games on the tv at the firehouse one evening and just you know like most people you're either like super motivated by that and like wow i want to do that or you're like me and it's like there's no way in hell i can do something like that like this is crazy and um so i never really pursued anything but again i was looking for 2015 2016 i was looking for some sort of fitness regime um i just remembered like oh crossfit looked kind of fun and i didn't know anything about crossfit like i do now i mean i'm like you know Grant, you and I haven't really had too many conversations about it, but I'm like pretty deep into the woods. As I, I imagine you are too, just following your stuff and everything. But about just the health of uh, the health side of CrossFit, the, the fitness methodology, all that stuff. But um, I just wanted a fun workout. I needed workout to be fun. It was workout, and I needed to be fun, or I wasn't going to do it. And so I slowly just like I got a big tire, I got a sledgehammer. Or, one of the first uh, purchases I did for my gym was a, um, uh, a folding rack, a, a squat rack that folds in with a pull-up bar. And then just every so often every, throughout the year, I would just buy a barbell, a couple bumper plates. And then I set myself, I would save up and buy one big, 
big expensive item every year all the way up until recently. So I would get, you know, I got a, a, a row machine, an echo bike one year, an assault runner, a ski machine, like, and, and built it out slowly. And then, of course, you get into, you know, get new floors down and more equipment, sandbags. And then I got into rucking and still in the rucking, but, you know, got a bunch of ruck rucks and rucking equipment, and, you know, their sand, branded sandbags. And, um, and now I got a very well outfitted MGHD and ropes and, um, and, uh, and uh, rings. And what's really cool, Grant, and, and I'm, I know you, you, this happened to you too, because I see videos of, of your daughters, but uh, it's awesome because the family uses it. Even if they're not in there doing an actual workout with me, my young kids, but they're in there jumping on the rings and, you know, pulling up on the uh, pull-up bar, doing skin the cat and putting the mats down and jumping around tumbling. They're, they're out there using the equipment. So when people are like, man, you spent so much money on a gym. But again, it's one of those things that I've done to make, make us come together as a family, you know, maybe not be focused on the job for me specifically. And I can go out there with my kids and play around on, uh, on the gym. Um, but you know, health and fitness is extremely important. Um, you know, CrossFit gets a lot of bad raps, but I tell you guys straight up the best program for firefighters, hands down, I I will always claim this is CrossFit. I mean, when I do a CrossFit workout, it feels as close to the job as possible. I do, I do a, a CrossFit style workout about, uh, five to six days a week, four to five six days a week just depending on my schedule and then i usually sub in a gear workout on air at least once a week uh when i'm at the firehouse um and i'm stronger uh than i've ever been i'm more fit than i've ever been um i uh, my all my blood work is as best it's ever been and and when i say crossfit is the best for you know for our jobs it's not just the uh the physical workout of that program it's also the uh, nutritional um information that's out there on crossfit and they've kind of gone through a few iterations of what they consider is is a diet you know using diet loosely here but um but if you kind of dive in deep they they basically you know educate you on all that and that's the foundation of their program is uh is definitely what you're eating and and things like that and um but yeah, I, I enjoy it. My home gym is incredible. It's worth every penny. I don't, I don't care how much it costs me because it brought my family together. It made us healthy. It's another thing we do that we all enjoy from my wife to my three kids. Um, and, and obviously myself and it prepares me for the job, you know, and I'm no longer caring about uh, aesthetics. Something of course yeah, cares about what they look, but that's not the forefront of my mind. It's, um, you know, it's work capacity and performance. You know, it's, it's being fit for the job and for life. You know, I want to, I put myself in these controlled, um, chaos workouts because when life throws something, um, you know, unexpected at me, whether it be something personal or a physical challenge or a mental challenge, I feel a little more bust, um, having done this program or bring it back to the job. You know, I'm, I'm thrown with a curveball on, on a significant, um, run and, you know, I have to use my my performance, my physical capacity to be able to make a grab or extinguish a fire or work. My work capacity is increased to be able to continue to swap a cylinder out and, and go to work. You know, that's all been because of CrossFit, my home gym and, and, and you know, researching and, and 
all that. Um, John, um, appreciate you allowing me to talk about it. It is another good passion of mine and, and it's a good thing for my family too. No, I love it. And you know, the cool part about doing it at the house, a couple of things, you eliminate the drive time. So that gives you more family time, but you're modeling good stuff for the family. Um, so, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the kids being out there and, and playing around on the ropes, they're going to, they're going to go back to that and they're going to, they're going to know what, uh, what things yeah, are. Important. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I didn't say. It's just an example. Even if they're, even if they're, um, they're being lazy and they're sitting on a couch and they are watching TV when, and when I'm working out, they know I'm in the gym working out like, Hey kids, I'm in the gym working out. Like come get me if you need me. You know, so they, they, hey, daddy's working out like they, that's just a part of our it's like brushing our teeth. Right. It's just a part of our daily routine. And and they see that. And, you know, hopefully when they get older, when, you know, they can really kind of start to make those decisions to get in the gym by themselves and actually do programmed workouts. They're, they'll they're just part of their culture. Right. And that's that's kind of goal. And I don't want to like people who have seen my gym. I don't want people to get discouraged like, oh, I, I, I need a gym like that to be to be fit or to, to, you know, train or anything. And you don't guys, like I said, I started with a sledgehammer and a tire that I got from our city garage um, at, at, at my job and started with that. And we just had like an out of service hose, I think. And I would, you know, pull the hose or fill it up with water and connect two couplings together and run with it and, you know, bang on that tire, flip the tire, carry the tire. You know, you don't need anything fancy, um, you know, start, start slow, get into it, make sure it's something that you're really going to want to invest money into it and then uh, go from there. As we're, as we're coming in towards the close, I did want to ask a couple of things though, uh, on the fitness side. So you mentioned, um, listening to podcasts on your way home. Uh, what are some of your favorite non-fire podcasts? Um, yeah, so, uh, I like, um, you know, Joe Rogan's very popular. I'll just throw out there because it's super popular. I really don't listen to him so much unless he's speaking with a doctor because uh, that's all the health stuff that they'll get into. So I, I enjoy I enjoy that. But something else that um, is extremely takes, it's going to take a, a lot to listen to and you may have to listen to it over and over again to really get an understanding, but it's called the uh, Broken Science Initiative. Have you actually heard of that, Grant, from... Um, um, uh, Greg Glassman. No, but I'll be doing it when I leave the station today. Yeah, dude, that's that's some dense material, but um, you know, obviously, you know Greg Glassman, and um, is the uh, is the founder of CrossFit for you all that don't know, and, and he sold the company in 2020, and he basically he started taking CrossFit in a direction that was really gains focused and started going down more health route. It took a huge shift in about 2018. He sold the company in 2020. And now he's completely obviously broke off from the, the CrossFit uh, Inc. And is uh, started the Broken Science Initiative. Um, they have a website, they do seminars, and they have a podcast. And actually, uh, I send my our medical director in Winter Park, I send him a lot of uh, Greg's stuff and all the guests he has. Um, but if you're interested in like health sciences and health and kind of the corruption, a lot of corruption talk in, in the sciences and everything, that's, um, that's a good one. But again, it's pretty dense for, for most of us, uh, firefighter educated people. So I usually have to do a lot of re listen. Um, but yeah, those, those, those two for sure, um, are something I'm interested 
and on the health side. So, um, well, cool. Well, we're hitting about an hour and I try to keep it at an hour. Um, but man, I know I could talk to you all day long. Um, anything else you want to wrap up with or how do people get a hold of you if they want to get more information? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm pretty active on this, uh, on social media. So, um, Instagram, I like to use better than Facebook, but that's, uh, Eric Wheaton 61. If you search my name on there, you will, uh, you'll find two. That's because my, uh, Canman FF account got locked out a year, a year or so ago when I got a new phone. And, um, so that's no longer active, but uh, Eric Wheaton dot six ones, my Instagram account, uh, vent enter search underscore com is uh is how you can reach us on vinner search or vinnersearch.com and then if you just search on facebook uh vinnersearch.com or eric uh eric wheaton i think it's eric r wheaton is my uh facebook account there um but yeah those 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 two ways on social media and then uh, my email is eric e-r-i-c the only way to spell it by the way so that's eric e-r-i-c at vententersearch.com you got anything else before we wrap up no man i appreciate it um and it's always nice talking uh talking to fitness and family stuff too so i appreciate you uh having those conversations with me and i guess uh when's the next time i'm gonna see you are you going to OFC or did you get in or no no i'm not uh not teaching up there but i might go stroll up there and see what's going on see what you're up to okay all right yeah if not um Crap, will it be April then? Yeah, it might be April. Well, yeah. unless we do All something right. down here in between. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh can and or aerial down down at your new training center, which um is amazing and I'm so jealous. And if anyone has the opportunity to see what you're doing down at Stero, Florida with the uh with their training academy, it's incredible. And anyone looking to build academy i would definitely reach out to grant there and uh you know hopefully uh hopefully one day winter park will will jump on board and do something like that so hopefully but yeah man, if, um, if not we'll just have open playground down here and invite anybody that wants to <laughs> yeah for sure for sure i'm i'm definitely wanting want to do some classes down there and that'd be fun all right eric well i will we'll wrap up the podcast now and i love you man uh can't wait All to right. see you again and thanks for taking the time uh, just to share your, share your stuff. It's good. All right, Grant. Thank you, man. Take care. Uh,